Welcome back to the Find Your Form podcast. We've got a super rad guest today and we get into some really fun topics, especially if you like mountain biking and trails and, and backcountry use. Before we get into our conversation with Ernest though, I've got a couple quick announcements. First up, Bighorn Gravel, new gravel event that I've partnered with a, a buddy of mine here and we're going to be hosting the first, I don't know if it's the first official gravel bike event in Eagle County, but it's, uh, we're going to call it the first official gravel bike event in Eagle County. So, so really psyched about this. The, um, the town of Gypsum and Alpine Bank have stepped up huge to, to bring us this event. Let's see, it's going to be three different events, a 20 miler for the people that are kind of gravel curious. E-bikes are, are allowed on that, even though Steve's making this crazy face about it. We'll allow e-bikes on that course. It's not competitive. That one's just to go check out what we're up to and, and see what the roads are like out there in, in Gypsum. And then the 50 miler and then the premier event is an 85 miler with 10,000 feet of climbing and $10,000 on the line for, uh, for men and women, splitting that evenly for men and women. Dates on that, Saturday, June 25th is the big expo. Sunday, June 26th is all the, all the races are happening. So expo is going to be jam-packed with all kinds of fun stuff for the family, strider bike for the kids, music, food, food trucks, giant bicycles and live cycling are our bike sponsor. They're going to be out there with some demos, gravel bike demos, mountain bike demos, and probably some e-bikes for Steve to try. And uh, we got the feed. They're doing all the nutrition. They've got some really cool stuff. If you go and sign up right now on bighorngravel.com, the feed will give you $20 toward credit uh, for anything that, that you order from those guys. And then all kinds of fun stuff. We're going to have Expo with, with Shimano. Pinarello will be there. Smith Optics. Stan's No Tubes. Wahoo Fitness. IRC Tires. Vail Summit Orthopedics is stepping up huge to help us out with this. So it's going to be super fun. I'm excited about it. It's the first event I've ever put on. So kind of being on the other side of the, the tape here. So yeah, check that out. And let's get into our conversation with Ernest. Please welcome Ernest Sager. Ernest, welcome. Thanks. Good yeah. to be here. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time. And uh, we've been trying to put this together for a little while. So here we are with all the stars aligned. Oh, it took with some warmer weather and the snow starting to melt. You know, right. looking across at Berry Creek, it looks like it could be riding here soon. Yeah, pretty quick. It's going to be dry. It'll <laughs> be dusty over there in like a week. Um, so real quick, why don't you give us a little bit of an intro of, of you know, who you are and what you do with VVMTA. Yeah. Uh, my what name is VVMTA. Yeah. Go ahead. Introduce myself first. Ernest Sager. I'm the executive director of the Vail Valley Mountain Trails Alliance or VVMTA. And we... As an organization, we're a nonprofit. We pride ourselves as being the leading trail advocates in Eagle County. And that comes in many different forms, maintaining our trails, education, advocacy, trail building, um, leading volunteer groups, and really just making sure that our trails that we here love and use all the time are cared for, uh, our trail systems are improved, uh, we protect our access to our trails, and um, that's what we're here to do for our community, for, for everyone that lives here. We want to make sure that we all enjoy those for many, many years to come. Cool. So, and I've, I've been aware of, of VVMTA when it was, used to be called Vail Vale Valley Mountain Bike Association. Association. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then at some point it was a arm of IMBA or partnership with IMBA, some kind of 
scenario, right? So yeah, yeah. And we, so the Vail Valley Mountain Bike Association was founded in 2011. Uh, Jamie Mallon, who used to own the Kind, was one of the co-founders. Right. And it was founded as a chapter of IMBA. And for the first eight nine years of the organization, we we're all volunteer organization, just a volunteer board. Um, just a, mainly a group of people that like to get out and dig in the trails. Yep. And I, I have to inter, I have to do my inner Jamie if he was here, and he'd say, I "Used to be the one out there saying, oh, they should fix this, and they we should do, they should fix that, or they should do this.'" And then realized that we were the they. Sure. And they weren't doing that, and it was on us as a community to do those things. Right. And that's what really spurred the, the VVMBA at the time. And it was taking the ownership, that stewardship side, like not sitting back and expecting whoever it is, the trail fairies to do it. Right. We needed to do it ourselves. Right. Yeah. And, and that's really is a big underlying motto and core of who VVMTA still is today. We, we try to take action. We try to stay ahead of things and, and we get things done. That's what we, we pride ourselves on it. Yeah. It takes some time that. for sure, but we get them done. And um, it's yeah. It's been impressive to see, you know, what, what you guys have achieved and, and, and done, um, over the last, like you said, you know, 10 years essentially of when it was founded, but also just the, uh, and I want to get into this in a minute, but the, the grand scope that you have, the grand plan that you kind of have laid out and and all of that, but how did you find, how did you find your position, your, yourself here? And and give us a little bit of background of like, how do you, how'd you get into cycling number one? And then how'd you find your, your role at um, at VVMTA? Well, my, my cycling, my, my riding, uh, passion started when I was probably eight or nine. I was a BMX racer when I was a kid. Where were you growing uh, up? Upstate New York. Okay. Uh, grew up there. There was a BMX track basically in my backyard in a park that was right there. Um, and racing those skinny tire harrows and red lines at the time. And, um, that's what, uh, got me into it at first. Sure. Uh, after that, you know, I got into more road cycling and then mountain biking, uh, living in West Virginia, North Carolina in a past career. And that's where I started mountain biking really more than anything. Uh, yeah. From there, the roots and rocks and everything. And uh, I ended up coming out here for a job. Uh, I've worked for the Vail Valley Foundation for a few years mm-hmm. and really got into the mountain biking then. But in West Virginia, before I came here, a small community went out for trail work nights with a local bike shop and just started digging in the dirt. And I loved it. And when I came here, I immediately jumped into going out with VVMBA at the time and just kept showing up and I just kept showing up and I kept getting involved and showed my passion and, and my, my care for these trails and taking care of them. And eventually I was asked to be on the board and that was, I believe, 2016, I was, I, I came on the board of the, the VVMTA and then in 2019, uh, I came on as our first uh, full-time executive director. So um, I was involved with the VVMTA even before I came into this full-time role. Yeah, nice. So started racing mountain or uh, started racing BMX, and I've never done any BMX racing, but it seems um, it seems like that was a real tangible introduction to cycling for a lot of folks that got into to BMX at a young age, and then you know either their body gave up on it or. <laughs> Uh, or they somehow found the other, the other discipline in in the sport. So um, it's a 
pretty cool progression to see. Do you feel like you miss that at all? Do you miss mountain bike or uh, BMX racing? No, I wouldn't say I, I, I miss yeah. BMX. So you're not going down to Eagle and, and hitting the track down there? <laughs> I'm not. And even even more so, even like the midterm bike park, I've put in so much time bringing that to life and yeah. I hardly ever ride my bike there. Yeah, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My daughter, she likes to go yeah. over there. And we, we went last year, uh, last year a little bit, I guess it was. And it was really windy one day. Yeah. And she's like, can we go to the bike park? I'm like, you never want to say no, right? Right. When someone asks you want to go to the bike park, but um, yeah, it was it's a little windy, so we couldn't hit the some of the bigger stuff. But she's she likes it. She likes to get more comfortable at the jumps and stuff. But um, I've never like you know the practicing gates and and all that. BMX is so exciting to watch. Like when it's on the Olympics, I just get super into it. But it then is. You see those guys take those diggers, man. And you're like, oh. It's it's a crazy sport, especially on those paved tracks. You're going so yeah. fast, you're flying, um, and it's definitely progressed since I I was doing that in the. Sure. I guess that was I would say the early '90s. Yeah. Um, so well, it seems like it's still super popular, especially with with young young kids getting them into it. You should see it in Eagle on a race night. Yeah. That Haymaker parking lot is completely full. That's and so there's cool. there's kids coming from all over Steamboat Summit County, all over. It's yeah. it's pretty cool to see. Yeah, I know uh, Junction, Grand Junction's got a big track down there, and people travel from all over and go do those things. It's that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. So, so with so now Vail Valley Mountain Trail Association, right? Alliance. Alliance. Sorry. Okay. Close. So, um, something that starts with an A. Yeah. Um, so, and it, but it started as a kind of a mountain bike affiliation, right? Is it still a mountain bike alliance, or is it? Or it's a trail alliance. So that's all trails, all users. I assume is that right? Right, and you know we changed our name uh, in 2019 as well, and we did that for a few reasons. And one, it was really what we were already doing on the ground. We just changed it to fit who we already were, and that's in the form of every single trail that we build or maintain is, except for Lee's Way is multi-use yeah hiking biking we we generally don't go towards the motorized side too often but we do every now and then and when you look at our adopt a trail program we have 20 plus trails that are adopted that are in wilderness we actually have a motorized trail that's adopted we have an equestrian group that's part of our adopt a trail program and so we just looked at that and said this makes sense this is what who our community is and how we can better serve our community and we joke around uh, on our board uh, sometimes and internally that we are trail advocates first and foremost. We might have a mountain biking problem, <laughs> um, but you look, you look across our board and every, everyone that comes out and volunteers with us, we probably have more volunteers that hike or trail run or, or do all the things. You know, it's Colorado. Sure. So it's, we're definitely, you know, looking at certain styles in certain areas. You know, we'll look at an area and say, we want to build a mountain bike trail here. And we're going to design and want this to be a mountain bike trail. That's going to be the best use. That's what the community is looking for. Right. That's what would be fun. That's the desire. And other areas might say, all right, this should be generally a hiking trail. There's not going to be too much mountain biking on it. So this trail should be maintained and built to those that type of use. So we're broadening, broadening our, our reach as well and bringing in more of the community to get impact, import, excuse me, getting information and input from our broader community. And that honestly helps when we go back to these land managers, when we're looking at new trails or looking at reroutes or whatever it may be, 
they don't want to just hear what the mountain bikers want. They want to hear what all trail users want because they are all multi-use trails. Yeah. Yeah. How do you go about that? Like figuring out where, if you, if you're going to put in a new trail, like, okay, we're going to, we found this spot. This would be great for a hiking trail or this spot would be great for a, a mountain bike trail. How do you go about, what's the next step? Like, how do you, one, determine that oh recognize that this is this is the terrain that's good for it and then whose land is it how do you get access to it and how do you get approval to put in a trail oh it's quite the process <laughs> i'm sure <laughs> it takes a lot of patience and a lot of communication and uh a lot of um a lot of tasks uh, i will say to to make any new trail come to fruition i mean i'll start with in the in the eagle holy cross ranger district which is basically Vale, Minturn, um, Eagle, Edwards, anything Forest Service land. Okay. If Does you, BLM and Forest Service go hand in hand? No, they're, just they're, they're totally different. Okay. They're, and they have totally different land managers, different styles and, and policies and everything. And it's, it's night and day working with the two of them, to be honest, even though they're both federal agencies. Yeah. One's underneath the Department of Agriculture and one's underneath the Department of Interior. So they don't even have the same high bosses back in Washington, D.C. It yeah. becomes a totally different side of government, um, which is interesting. But I bet. <laughs> it, I bet it makes it exciting. It, yeah. <laughs> if, you had to, if you had to guess, um, Eagle Holy Cross Forest Service Ranger District, yeah. in the last 30 years, how many new trails were built on Forest Service land? Not ski area, bound, ski area is taken out of the mix because that's a different animal okay. as well. How many new trails? I'm gonna, yeah. I'm, I feel like the number's low. Very. Yeah. If anything, I would say they've probably taken trails that maybe should have or could have easily been recognized and said, we're not, that's no longer a trail. So there's probably less rideable trails now than there was 10 years ago. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, and, and to answer the, the question, yeah. there's been, in the last 20, 30 years, there's been three new trails built on Forest Service land wow. in the Eagle Holy Cross Ranger District. Evercrisp in, opened in 2018, 19. Yep. Um, in Minturn. Yep. And Eastern Hillside was the one before that, which was a decade, so 20, 2007 or 2008, which most people don't even know where Eastern Hillside is. I don't know. It's equestrian trail okay. kind of going off from Beaver Creek. Um, and before that, it was a north trail in the... In the late nineties. Wow. Yeah. And, and those were the only new trails that had been built on forest service land in our Eagle Holy Cross Ranger district for that time being. Do we know why? It's, it's challenging, um, to go through the process, to look at all of the factors that come into play. So going back to your question, when, yeah. when you're looking at a new trail, first and foremost for us, we, we identify what, what a need is, what, what, makes a better trail experience, what does the community want, what type of trail for what type of user is missing, and and where does that make the most sense to put it. So listening to the community, looking at what would make a, a good trail system and a connection to be able to give access to people out their back doors, because that's what we want to do, is everyone everyone's dream, right, to ride out their back door. Yeah. And, and we totally agree with that. And we want to see that happen through well-planned out trail systems. And so looking at how you can create those trail systems and how you can improve the experience, you know, we're not going to go build another trail that is the same type of trail, um, 20, you know, 20 miles away or not even, maybe even closer. 
Yeah. You're not going to duplicate efforts. You got because trails cost a lot of money and they take a lot of time. So it's it's looking to the community what that priority is. Yeah, and and where those priorities are is kind of the next thing. And after that, then it's in our community right now and and rightfully so, the biggest the biggest thing to look at next is wildlife habitat. Honestly, um, because we are seeing a decline in our wildlife populations as it's a, a large topic of conversation here in Eagle County and trails do impact wildlife. People impact wildlife just in general. Yeah. Um, the population decline are by no means on trails. It's just the amount of more amount of people that live here and that impact that we are having developments just generally impacting those populations and they're declining. But Trails do have an impact, and, it, and trails are something that can be controlled from a public policy and public process standpoint. Sure. So next thing we do look at is where are those wildlife habitats? Where's the, the winter concentration? Where are the migration corridors? Where are the calving areas? And is this an, an area that our elk and our deer and other populations need? And if that's the case, then it's hands off throwing that right off the table. Right. It's, it's not the right thing to do. Um, it, it, the land manager won't entertain it. And we have to go back and look at where we can put that style of trail and, and where that might make sense from a, a land use standpoint. So it's a, it's a complicated process. And we work with the CPW on that. We work with the land manager, whether it's Forest Service or BLM or Town of Vail or whoever it is. And well, a lot of the land that is vacant at this point is privately owned as well, right? Like, so you can't really, they, they're holding on to it for whatever reason, either development potential or, or just to, to keep it. So then that's, then what you got to talk about, like some kind of land swap or something. Is that, I don't know how it works. It yeah. Like, and, and those are few and few, far between. I imagine all yeah. those, those deals have been made at yeah. this point, right? Un- unfortunately, it'd be, it'd be amazing if there was a private swath of land somewhere here in the Valley where you could build a bunch of trails, but it yeah. just doesn't exist. Um, right. Well, it doesn't make nearly as much money as building, you know, multi-million dollar homes. Exactly. There's no ROI on that whatsoever. Um, and it's, it's a challenge. So even you get down that path of, all right, you're identifying this isn't to, this isn't wildlife habitat or critical wildlife habitat. Yeah. And then it goes back to the seasonal closures as well. And why we have tried to educate the community so strongly over the past five years. Evercrest Trail was the catalyst for our Wildlife Trail Ambassador Program for this conversation in our community about the wildlife populations. When we were proposing to build the Evercrest Trail, the CPW informed us that the populations were declining. Any trails like the North Trail or Sun of Middle Creek or any of those that existed that had seasonal closures, they didn't have gates, signage didn't exist. If it did exist, it was totally torn up most people in our community, including myself and a lot of people on our board and in our organization, thought the seasonal closures for, were for mud, not, yeah. not for wildlife. Yeah. And the real reality is it's for wildlife. And so the Evercrest Trail, part of the mitigation efforts of building that trail was us saying, we'll create this Wildlife Trail Ambassador Program and we'll create this education for our community around it to make sure that everyone's informed and understands why we have these because Evercrisp does go through critical habitat. And it was, it was a contentious decision for sure from the forest service to approve that trail. 
And that's why there's a closure on it from November 23rd to June 20th. Um, and the seasonal wildlife closures, the best way we as trail users, respecting those, can do our part to make sure that the wildlife populations are sustainable. Because during these times of the year, right now, right, right now and into the spring, they are foraging for food on anywhere they can find it because it is hard for them to find food right now. And then they go into their calving season in the spring, May, June. And any impact that we push on them right now in those areas, they have a very good chance of not surviving. The, the research and the numbers are staggering and shocking. And so we're, we're, we're not pushing the education about the seasonal wildlife closures for no reason. We're yeah. doing it to, one, yeah, protect the herds. And we, we love wildlife. You know, everyone does. Sure. It's, it's an awesome to see them out there. But the secondary, we're doing that for current and future sustainable trail access. Until we're able to control violations on seasonal trail closures, we're not going to be able to build a new trail. Because land managers are going to say, no, we're not going to build a new trail when this one is being sure. violated. It's the, like, we're not going to buy you a new toy if you don't play with the ones you have and you keep breaking them. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So they, that's, that's how, and it's the right way to look at it too. We, we can't build this new trail if we're, we're breaking this one over here. Sure. So the, the Wildlife Trail Ambassador Program and all the education we do about don't respect seasonal wildlife closures. It's it's for the wildlife, but really, when you say you, you want more new trails or you want better trail systems, well, then you got to respect this first, and then we're working towards those by doing this. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> funny because you, you think, like, well, how much of an impact am I really having on wildlife if I'm going for a run or even on a bike? Like, you're so quiet. You're, it's very, very low impact to the to the surroundings, the soil and the... Um, you know, the, the wildlife, I mean, a lot of times whenever you see wildlife in the summer, like deer, elk, those kind of things, they just look up, recognize you and, and, and say, you know, you just kind of, they just go put their head back down and go back to business and you just cruise by, you know? So, um, so you don't, it's easy to overlook that and, and see like, oh, well, for sure. really, what is the impact? How are we possibly yeah. impacting the fact if they want to have their, their calf, you know, 20 feet off the trail, no one's going to disturb that. Right. But no, it's interesting to that. The studies show that it is, it's, it's easy to go down that path and in your head, like I'm out here by myself. I don't see the wildlife. I'm not at impact thing. I'm, I'm yeah. not disturbing them, but you'll never know. You, you won't see them. And there's, there's research studies out there. Um, and I might not get these numbers perfect, but, sure. um, where a hiker on a trail, if wildlife elk is in the area, they move 500 meters out. Mm-hmm. And that's disbursement from their habitat, yeah. and you're pushing them away. Uh, a bike is about a thousand meters, so a little bit more of an impact. And then motorized goes up even a little higher than that. Yeah. So different type of uses do have different type of impacts. Now, there's a lot of things that factor into that that can change it. Is it a forested area? Is it a meadow? You know, yeah. wh- what type of ye- what time of year is it? You know, there's a lot of variables of for course. sure. Um, but the the best thing we can do is just listen to our land managers that are making these decisions, these wildlife biologists of the times of the year when we should completely just stay away and respect that. Yeah. And then, so then, where do people find that information? Just because I know you said you're trying, that was the, the launching pad was Evercrisp to, to get that information out there and say, Hey, here's our, 
here's our opportunity to to say, hey, look, we can. This is what we can do. This is how well we can do this, and we can have new trails and educate people on when to use them, when not to. So, how are you going about educating folks? Uh, one is our wildlife trail ambassador program, where we have volunteers at those seasonally closed trailheads informing the public that show up to try to go hike or bike on those. So they just post up all day and they have like post up for a sandwich to hang out, post and- up for a half hour, <laughs> hour at a time. And they're out there and they talk to folks at the trailheads that they always come across people trying to go on these trails. Huh. And I used to think it was visitors. Yeah. I yeah. used to think it was tourists. Yeah. But man, it is not, it is it's us. Locals. It's the locals. A <laughs> hundred, not a hundred percent, but yeah, yeah. 90%. Huh? Wow, um, I wouldn't have thought that. Yeah, me either. But uh, looking at our data and everything we're pulling in, because we have we have game cameras on here, and we see the violations going down. Like we're we're going the right way for yeah. sure. The community's doing a great job. It's ever from five years ago, on on a section of North Trail, there was two hundred and like fifteen violations. Oh wow! During that time, the same section this year, there was thirty, and so it's working. You know, yeah. new signage gates community just buying in and and taking it on but um are we ever going to get to the zero number i don't know right but um well it's it's interesting that you know when you put it that way of you know hey the reason that we're having to do this one it's it's to protect the wildlife but two like selfishly we want to be able to do more trails and if we do this one correctly and we show that we can manage it you know maturely then we're able to to hopefully expand and get into more trails but yeah, I think that a lot of people just assume that, oh, well, well, why is North Trail open, but Sun and Middle still closed and they're literally side by side. So if I make a left, I'm good. But if I make a right, I'm, I'm closed, you know, like, I don't, know, the, I don't know if I got that right, the it, dates, but yeah, they're both, they're both one June, closed. June There's, 15th and then yeah, they both uh, are April uh, 15th to June 20th. Yeah. Um, there's certain little sections of North Trail that are open, yeah. like the neighborhood ones, uh, connector um, over on uh, by Davos side, like Davos is open um, as well. And, and it's that balance, right? Yeah. We that's just, what's tricky too, is like, where do you find, how do you know those dates of like, oh, this one's open all the time. This one's open seasonally. This one's open late season. We try. We keep a good list on our website for that one, and um, you can find those there. It's it's really complicated, and yeah. I get confused about it. And I know these off the top of my head, and yeah. it's super frustrating. And we're continually advocating with our land managers. Can we try to keep these in order somehow? Right. So it's easier to understand. It's easier to communicate. Sometimes I'm not going to blame the person that's on that trail uh, because of the just confusion of what is and what isn't open. Right. But, but on the other end of it now, all of these trails that are closed have gates yeah. with locks, with fencing, yeah. and big signs saying closed. these are closed. So sure. you are now making an effort. Like you have to make an effort to get around a closed gate and sure. get on a closed trail. Yeah. But you know, I could sit here and talk about wildlife, you know, all day long because yeah. it's honestly I I talk about it a lot on a daily basis. I'm and sure it's a big it, part of your your. <laughs> Yeah, your job and and what you do, but I mean, do you is that all on your shoulders? Do you have someone that manages like just consistently advocating with Forest Service and and CPW to figure out like, you know, what when can we get more? <laughs> I, uh, that's generally me more okay. often. And me and uh, some of our board members uh, are really on top of that and working with other partners. 
Yeah. You know, right now we're working with some other partners and, and local land managers to try to create a plan around it. Like, okay, you know, we just had these three new trails uh, proposed in Vail. Uh, and I should say two new trails and one reroute, uh, North Trail, uh, Mill Creek reroute, and then the uphill section on Vail Mountain um, mm-hmm. building a trail. And there was a lot of comments on those back to the Forest Service. And a lot of the folks that were concerned and did not support those trails were worried about the cumulative effect of each one of those small trails. You know, it's not about the North Trail connector that is proposed. It's a 0.5 mile trail. It is literally 20, 30 yards away from Red Sandstone Road that sees 55,000 vehicles on it in a summer. Yeah. You know, how does that impact wildlife? Yeah. Honestly, like, how do you say that has an impact on wildlife? Um, it would have a seasonal closure. So that's one way it has an impact. If seasonal closures in the area continue to be violated, that would impact the wildlife. And it's not so much that it impacts the wildlife right there in that location, though. It's about the cumulative effect. So that's another trail that fragments a migration corridor. And then you build a development on the other side of town. And that's another cut to the wildlife population. Mm-hmm. And it's, so it's that cumulative idea of we're growing here as a community. We continue to grow more population. You know, everyone knows it here. Mm-hmm. And so more people. And if we keep putting more people out in different places, it's just going to have more of a cumulative impact on the wildlife. Sure. And so we're trying to come up with a way to look at because we don't feel VVMTA, our stance, it's not it's not sustainable for our trail system to not build more trails. Right. Like we need to. We have to to accommodate our current use and also our future use coming in here. And we, we just want to do that in a very planned and well thought out way. Sure. Uh, like a place-based location, like where is recreation already occurring heavily and how do we improve that area? How do we build that out? You know, Meadow Mountain, that's the first one that comes to my mind. Yeah. Um, there's so much recreation going on in Meadow Mountain year round, mm-hmm. skiing, biking, hiking, equestrian, snowmobiling, you know, all of the things all are of it. happening. Yeah, it all happens there. So how do you how do you take like all right our our community wants a a, a technical downhill trail. Yes. And yeah, <laughs> the community does. Yes, it does. <laughs> I do too. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say yeah, you're coming from North Carolina and West Virginia, it's, it's like, my dude, style of riding. Yeah. You know? All I'm, this like buttery smooth I'm, trail we have here. I'm not a gravel racer. I'm not a cyclocross racer. I'm not a, a road biker. I'm an enduro rider. Yeah. That's the way I ride. Um, I love that ride. And and you know it's so going back to the example, our community wants a technical downhill trail. Yeah. Where can we build that? It's looking at building that inside the containment of Meadow Mountain yeah. and that's already impacted. And I have to throw out the asterisks there that nothing is approved there by any means. Sure. And the land managers have to come up, have to, the NEPA process, which could be a whole different podcast about <laughs> environmental review and public opinion and input and how that works sure. with federal agencies that takes years to do. Um, it has to go through all that process before anything happens. These are just general ideas and concepts that we VVMTA feel make sense. Sure. Yeah. Based on all the parameters we're working in. Right. And so it's looking at, okay, Meadow Mountain gets used a ton. We all know it. It's not habitat right in there. Like, let's build it out. Let's let's turn that into a great trail system that has biking only directional trails, hiking only trails, equestrian only like Let's accommodate all the users. Right. And let's look yeah, it's at- It's already such a great resource. <clears throat> you might as well tune it up 
and make it just a fantastic one. Because like, yeah, because then people will flock to that area and kind of give some of the other trails some some break, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, as opposed to building new trails that are going out in new places. Yeah, that's what we don't want to do. That's what our land managers will not approve. Yeah, and that's what the CPW will definitely not provide support for because that's fragmentation you're going into new habitat you're going into areas that are not impacted and you're creating new sure so let's look at the areas and get i mentioned berry creek like berry creek we have trail counters in all these places to Mm -hmm. understand the data and the uses and everything and berry creek gets hit hard yeah like that's out your back door like let's turn that into a good system backyard Backyard area. Like yeah. You could have the sure. same thing. Hiking only trails, biking only, a downhill trail, you know, all those things that yeah. we feel that we're pushing constantly that that makes sense from a, a user standpoint, but also for our wildlife. Like we're not going out. We're keeping it centralized into the areas that are already impacted. Right. So it's looking at new trails almost on a place-based um, aspect. So when you're deciding, I, I'm sure you guys have some kind of like – Grand vision, you know, 20,000 foot view of like, Harry, here's what we see in the next 20 years, what, what this would, could look like, should look like, what we'd like to see. Do you look at other communities to get an idea of what, how to, how to move forward with that? Like what other community, I just think of like Park City, Deer Valley area has this amazing trail network, right? Like, I don't know how many miles of, of continuous single track they have, but it's, it's impressive. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously that that terrain up there and land management is probably a little bit different than what we have to work with here. Um, and I'm sure like everybody knows what's going on in, in Bentonville, Arkansas and, and everything that they've got going and, and their grand vision, you know, and that's a completely different land management scenario, right? So that's the biggest thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, but do you look at those other communities and figure out and kind of say, Hey, this is what's working there. This is what's cool. And, and can you use, can you use that, data and say, Hey, look what it's provided for this community and, and present that to the land management folks and say, Hey, this is a resource and it's not just selfish. It's, it's great for the, for the overall, you know, quality of life for the community. And also it brings revenue to the community. Constantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the short answer is yes. Constantly. Um, I have connections with all the other trail organizations, mountain bike organizations across the state, and we have standing meetings we have our own coalition to advocate on a state level and we're always working together. And generally we all have the same issues or concerns or problems when it comes to it. And we're, we're kind of fighting the good fight together more often than not. Um, the land manager is the biggest one, you know, park city, they're lucky. That's majority on private land. All of that, that huge trail system they have there. Same with Bentonville or city. And it's all yeah privately bought. Whenever I talk to someone about Bentonville, which I haven't been to yet, but I'm going next week. You haven't been? I'm going next week. So next week. Yeah, all right. I'm excited. I grew up there. I grew up in Rogers. You did? Yeah. So nice. it's, it's kind of cool to go back and and think back whenever I would go after living here for a few years, going back to Rogers and seeing my folks and then um and seeing the very beginnings of that trail network that's in Bentonville. Um just kind of getting roughed in, you know, and I remember being out there one day and running into a guy that was on a, uh, a machine working on the trails and started talking to him for a little bit and like, Oh, this is super cool. You know, like it, working on this new part. And he's like, Oh yeah, this is the tip of the iceberg and not even, you know I mean? And really he's like, there's this huge 
grand plan and this 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 is only the backbone of it and and at the time it was really kind of hard to process like oh okay cool there's going to be some more trails i mean i would never would have thought that they would have put in what they've done um but i'm sure a lot of that's just kind of it's getting such it's being so well received that they're just like well, let's just keep doing it do more and more and more you know but like you said it's a, it's a completely different scenario than what we have here working with the forest service and and um, the land that's, you know, I mean, that's that's essentially just privately owned land that yeah. they can do whatever they want. And they have the ideal situation where they have the support of in the tunes of millions of dollars and the private land to do it. Yeah. You know, I, I like to realistically say, even if we here had someone say, here's $10 million, go build some trails. Yeah. We'd be like, we can't. <laughs> that's not, that's not going to, it's not going to be approved. Yeah. <laughs> it's, right. Uh, the, the land managers, the way that our lands are managed and then the resources and, and the way our, our Valley is, uh, honestly, just the, you know, socioeconomic and, and wildlife and everything around it. You know, we couldn't take $10 million and go build a bunch of trails. Right. It's just the reality. Unless, unless you went and bought a, a big chunk of land somewhere and we could go do it on private land. <laughs> well, there goes your $10 million. <laughs> exactly. Right? And then you don't have any money. And then no money to build the trail. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Well, you know, I think that it's, it's just great to hear the, the, the inner workings, you know? And I think that, you know, cause that's the big thing is like people, like you were saying, whatever, um, what was a Vell Valley Mountain Bike Association? Yeah, yeah, yeah. VVMBA yeah. was started. It was like they should do this, and then you realize that there is no they. You know, it's us, yeah. and it's our, it's our responsibility. And so it's easy when you're out there to to look at something and say, why would they do it this way? And you know, all the trails. You know, the, the, I get feedback consistently yep. from people. You know, I'm, I'm sure nothing yep. like what you get, but um, you know, people know I ride mountain bikes, and they know that. Um, they can come ask me questions and I've probably been on the trail recently. So, um, you know, when, when trails get worked on, um, when things get rerouted, it's, you know, I get that feedback and it's like, well, I'm not sure. I don't know what's go what the grand plan is, but you know, the, the quote unquote sterilization of trails, the rocks that are being removed from trails, you know, those kind of things, it's, it's easy to, um, to sit back and, and get get behind a, a laptop and make some kind of post on Facebook about it that you're all upset about it, you know, but, um, you know, and then we adopt a trail. We are, my studio adopts wild west trail over here in the preserve and, and it's, that trail super easy to maintain, yeah. right? Like it, it yeah. doesn't need much. It needs a little bit of drainage work occasionally every, every year and a little bit of like pruning. And that's, that's pretty much it. Right. Cause it was well built and right. it's pretty new and, um, and it gets a lot of traffic. So, um, so, you know, I, I guess that's the, that's the thing is with whenever you're trying to get involved, right? So you, what, what are the steps that people can do or should do if they, if they want to have an impact on the way things are heading? Like, Hey, I'm not really psyched about the way this is being managed, or I would love to see more of this and not necessarily less. Nobody wants to see less, right? right? Nobody right. wants like, Hey, can we have less trails? Yeah. Everybody, but people want to see more of X. You know, I know Will's Thrill, people love that trail, right? So, of course, the people that love that trail want more of those trails, right? right? Well, we want more of this. And then, <laughs> you know, there's there's flow trails. There's um, So how do people get involved and what, what's the best step? Because I know you, it's like, well, just come out on volunteer day. 
Is that the best thing? It, it honestly is. Um, and that's, that's the first thing I'd say is come out and, and put a shovel and a pick in the dirt yourself. And, and nothing to not, not knocking anyone that, you know, we get all kinds of feedback as well. Um, but a majority of the people that give us the feedback are not coming out and helping and working on the trail, which is fine. We all have lives. We all have our priorities and families and, and everything. And a lot of people might just donate instead, which we always appreciate. Yeah. So we don't expect everyone to come out and work on a trail. It's just not realistic and that's fine. And we're okay with that. We want you to use the trail. We want everyone to use the trail. Um, no matter you help maintain it or not, get out there, enjoy it, improve your physical and mental health, you know, have fun. Like this is why we live here. Um, but to understand some of those, some of the reasons that we're, some of those things were happening like reroutes or, um, making a trail more sustainable and drainages, those we, we teach and learn and speak to those a lot at our volunteer nights and the why behind it and what it takes and what we're trying to do. And more often than not, we're just trying to make sure that trail is going to stay there and, and be there in a sustainable fashion for generations to come, not yeah. just today or tomorrow, but for many, many years. And, and that's what has to happen to make sure that they're there. Uh, if we don't do some of the things that we do, they're just going to continue to get worse. And then we're going to go, our land managers are going to say, this is not a sustainable trail. No, you can't build new trails. You have all these unsustainable trails right here. And we got to take care of those first. We can't put resources to this until these are taken care of. And we hear that on a constant basis. And that was the, the reason behind the adopt a trail program being created. Um, with in conjunction with the Forest Service, it was actually a no to Evercrisp many, many times. And the answer was, we, we can't even maintain all the ones we have. So then we said, all right, we'll create the Adopt-A-Trail program and we're going to take our community and create stewards and owners of our trails. And we're going to get everything maintained and then we can start building new trails. And it's, it's the right way to do it, and it's the best way to learn is to come out on those trail nights or an adopt-a-trail team because yeah. it's, you'll never look at a trail the same after you actually put a shovel or a pick into it. And, yeah. and you get some training and some direction on the reasons for some of the things. I, I want to say one thing and, and statement here. VVMTA will never remove rocks from a trail, and no, neither will our volunteers. We hear it all the time. And we love rocks. We want rocks and trails. If there are rocks that seem to be moved, they're moved for by someone else or for a very specific reason, meaning that if we step on a rock and it moves, it's going to come out if, if it's a small rock. If it's a big rock, we'll bury that. We'll put it back into the trail. We'll try to keep it on there. We'd never remove rocks. And, and that is something that we teach. It, it is not what we do. Great. <laughs> It's good to hear. <laughs> and I, I mean, I know that because we I've done yeah, the training, I know you right? Do. And I know and, you do. and I know that you know there's like on Wild West, there's there's kind of there's some tri- some tricky features of that trail, right? So to an advanced rider, it's nothing. It's no big deal. Right. And that's why you love that trail. Yeah. But to I took some ladies up there uh 2 years ago and thinking like it's a pretty mellow trail, right? It's kind of meandering switchbacks to get up fun downhill, right? And and they're not beginners, you know, but they're not super confident, especially with switchbacks, especially turning left on switchbacks, right? So it's like, well, let's go practice. Let's go try it. And it opened my eyes a little bit to 
some of those features of like, oh, this is actually something that I don't even think twice of, and you just kind of let the tires roll, they're second guessing it, you know, and they're they're putting a foot down, like, well, let's try it again, you know, start again, look down here, look at me, and then just roll through it. Those kind of things, you know, but those little features are valuable yes. to their confidence and to be able to say, oh, two years ago, I couldn't ride this. I would freak out every time I got to this point. And now I just ride right through it, you right. know? So I know that um, the idea or there's the philosophy a little bit about like idle, idle hands do the devil's work, right? Mm-hmm. So like if you've got 75 people show up on trail work night and the trail, if you're putting in a new trail, great. Yeah. You know, you need, you need work. Yeah. But when we do our trail maintenance, it's like we split up into two groups. We have a small trail and it's a small group, right? And essentially we just hike it. I'm like, hey, this trail doesn't need anything. We're going to look if there's any kind of rocks in the water bars, we're going to scoop those out. And then other than that, if there's any kind of like limbs that brush your arms as you go by, we're clearing those. And that's all we're doing, right? And we kind of split up into pruning group and, you know, water bar group. And that trail is kind of perfect for that because the water bars that need cleaned are on one side, mostly on the kind of the south facing stuff. And then the other areas where it needs all the pruning, right? So you can kind of break up and I'm like, that's the exact training that we do. It's like, do yep. not remove anything. We're yep. not here to modify the trail. We're only going to clear out what's existing. And that is what a majority of our adopted trail teams do yeah. and our volunteers do. Those simple sure. things you just mentioned can do so much for a trail to make it sustainable. Water is a trail's worst enemy. Those drainages, number one, not getting the ruts and the V's in the middle. And then that's where it gets muddy. And then all of a sudden the trail starts widening and it gets wider because of that water and those drainages take care of that. Same with flopping and taking away any of the branches, clearing those sight lines reduces user conflict. And it also eliminates people from moving out wider from the trail because a limb is in the way. So then the trail gets wider and wider and wider. And those are what we teach our adopter trail teams to do those two things right there. And anything any more technical than that, it's our, our core volunteer Wednesday night trail crews or our full-time trail conservation crew that we have that we had start last year and is going to be back this year. So, um, it's a, it's a science for sure. sure. I mean, yeah. there's a lot into it. There's a lot that goes into it and it takes a while to learn how to do it properly and, and to be able to work on those trails to accommodate the amount of use they're getting. You know, you one a, a, a trail way out in the backcountry that doesn't see that much. That's fine. You know, raw, technical, whatever it may be, primitive, you know, you don't have to do a lot of those things because there's not a lot of, t- not a ton of use on it. Yeah. And a trail like wild west or west any of these trails right outside of our valley floor they get used so often that you have to make sure that they're in shape for you know the thousands tens of thousands of people that use it yeah um you know you touched on one thing that a little bit that is a whole nother rabbit hole about trails and progression and building more and everything is the bike bike technology yeah we we can't keep up with it on trail building like the way that bike technology keeps progressing and it makes it easier for people to progress faster, sure. to become a better rider, to, to always wanting that next step of progression on style of riding. And this seems to be changing on a yearly basis easily. And, and we can't, it takes us two, three years to get a trail approved. Yeah. And then it takes another year or two to get it built. And, and you, it's just that lagging factor of trying to create, 
be able to stay true to that demand that's happening. Sure. And yeah. Like what was a downhill bike, you know, seven years ago is now just like people's just trailed out. Like this is just my everyday trail bike. Yeah. I yeah. see what you're saying. It's yeah. tough to keep up that with. Makes sense. Yeah. <clears throat> well, it's kind of that way with skiing, right? Like the skiing, the ski shape and like kind of what you'd consider the modern skiing, right? Modern technique and, and, um, and the shape of the skis and how wide they are has changed people skiing and for the better, you know, I think that you don't have to be as good of a skier to go ski most of the terrain on the mountain, right? Like it, it makes it a more enjoyable experience. Yeah. But also means that there's more skiers skiing faster. Right. So, um, so then you want more terrain, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sure it's this like constant, like, you know, wagging the uh, ch- chasing the tail right of just like all right where's what's next what's next and and we can't like you said like we need to prove that we can maintain and and create make the current trails sustainable before we're going to get much more approval for new stuff but do you guys have kind of um and, and is, if you do is it laid out somewhere where people can see it like do you have some kind of overreaching vision of where you see this all going, like what would be like pie in the sky, you know, plan like what would, what would that be for you? We're, we're working towards having a formalized plan like that. I, I alluded to it earlier. We're, we're hoping in the next year here or so to start a, a formal planning process with our land managers to create this bigger picture plan. We keep calling it here in Eagle County. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it starts with wildlife. It, it, in the middle is conservation, and then it's the recreation. You insert it in. So, let's we're get bringing everyone to the table: CPW, Forest Service, BLM, municipalities, all of the all of the decision makers, and saying, okay, let's identify where the wildlife habitat is, where the migration corridors are. Let's stay away from those, and then let's look at what needs to be a little more conserved. It could be a little bit of both: wildlife habitat, some recreation you know, the balance. Yeah. And then let's look at, all right, here are the places where let's just blow these up in, in what I mean, blow it up in a good way. Yeah. Um, let's improve the recreation opportunities. Let's build those out. Let's make these trail systems. Yeah. And, you know, without having that data and that science and that buy-in from the collective, um, community for those areas, it's hard to put together that plan because I love drawing lines on a map. You should see the maps I have. I have <laughs> lines all over the place, but it, it's fun and it's exciting. And I, but I, I always have to stop myself and be like, all right, I'm just drawing lines on a map right now. And it's not really, they're not, they're not reality sure. until we go through this process. Yeah. Prioritizing. And, yeah. You know, what, what needs to, what needs to be taken care of first. Yep. Sure. Exactly. So we we're working towards that and and we want to look at these places you know i mentioned a couple of them already yeah. like berry creek and meadow mountain make so much sense to improve the the trail and and recreation opportunities in the location what there- how does it happen with <laughs> like the trails on beaver creek the trails in vale, on vale mountain that is it's forest service right but why does it fall into somebody else's management or why are those off the table there because Vale Resorts owns the permit for that area, and they more or less decide on what is done within that ski area boundary. Wow. So they look even at— Even during the summer. Even during the summer. And they have a master plan, 
And if you can look up, you can look up the Vail Resorts Master Plan, Vail Mountain Master Plan, or Beaver Creek Master Plan. It's public information yeah. through the Forest Service, and there are miles and miles and miles of trails on those master plans. But whether and or if they ever prioritize those to build for summer is the big yeah. question. Sure, you know what is what is that? Do they see that return on investment on building a new trail like they do building a new lift? Sure. And that's what's like a mountain coaster or a little frustrating, you know, when you're there's trails that are on Beaver Creek that go off the backside of Beaver Creek. You access them from the front side, from from the ski area, you know, and there's trails that I cut my teeth on when I grew up, when I when I first moved here and started riding mountain bikes and exploring the area. And then those trails have some of those trails have just slowly been getting decommissioned or unrecognized or or closed. Right. So. And then at the same time, you're like, hold on, I can't go ride this trail that I've been riding for literally 20 years. I see no one out there when I'm out there, but you guys are putting a lift in, two lifts, and now we don't get to go ride our bikes in the summer? So it just, it feels like, and I know this is, this is a, a, Vail, a Vail Resorts, Beaver Creek agreement with, with Forest Service, but it just feels like Forest Service is talking out two sides of their mouth of like, you guys got to maintain these trails and do a good job with this, but we're going to approve all this, you know, heavy machinery construction and, and advancing into these other areas. I don't know. Is it, I, I completely agree I with you. I can see the look on your face. Yeah. <laughs> I, I completely agree with you. I, you know, personally and you know it, it's amazing like the three projects that were open for public comment just this past you know, month and a half in Vail yeah received almost 200 plus comments the McCoy Park was open for public comment that received basically nothing yeah and it's amazing how three small trails can really get the community engaged for lack of a better term yeah but when a project in the size and scope of McCoy park, which is in wildlife habitat is, is barely, um, really barely commented. It makes on a ripple. Public. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it's, it's, well, I think the public just assumes that, well, Beaver Creek or Vale or whoever, they get to do what they want. It's their, they assume it's kind of their land, even though it's not, but they have the lease on it. So, um, what's the point of making a comment if they're going to, they're putting the lift in. That's, that's the deal, you know? So, um, I just wish that trail was still open. (laughs) It's challenging. I hear you Um, too. It really is. Well, and And that's, that's kind of one thing I wanted to talk about was just, of course, you know, there's a lot of, and and like you mentioned before, it has a lot to do with the terrain that's available, right? That's going to dictate what you can do and what kind of, what type of trails you can put in or how you can, um, manicure an existing trail. So as far as like true beginner terrain, right? I don't feel like we really have anything that's true beginner. Unless you go to Eagle and you kind of use, you know, Hay Meadow and and some of that area, other than like maybe driving up to the top of Wild Ridge and using some of that stuff at the very top. I feel like there's got to be somewhere on the valley floor where people could, you know, park it somewhere central the post office the high school and get to trails and use it as one 
to build that confidence for, for young kids, for young riders, and for people that are just getting in, for adults that are getting into the sport and, and a place to learn, right? A place to learn trail etiquette, you know, and, and how to, here's an A-line and a B-line. The A-line maybe over your head. It's not jumps. It's not big gaps, but it's a rock garden, right? And well, I'm not ready for that. So here's the zigzag ride around. And then you're going to try it a couple times, then you're going to figure it out, right? So, and I know this is kind of the the big benefit of having like a mountain bike park, right? Is that you have this land that you can manicure specifically to have these kind of features. But, I mean, some beginners, I guess, could go ride around at the, the Minturn Park. Yeah, and it's a starting point, but it's not the same experience. And, right. And what you're alluding to, I agree with. And I, I'm, I've mentioned it a couple times now. I go to Meta Mountain on that yeah. right there. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, I've. That's where you see that. I, it, there's the the meadows that are open between the Grouse Trailhead and the Meadow Mountain Trailhead. Yeah. Right there, they're super mellow. They're open. They're rolling terrain. It is the perfect beginner trail yeah. terrain. It really is. Sure. And and that's why I see that as again as a great opportunity. Not to mention that, you know, there's going to be all kinds of new development going on in that area as well. So you know, where are those people going to go recreate in their backyard? There's only going to be more people going to Meadow Mountain and throughout other areas. Right. So yeah, um, yeah, we we hear it a lot. You know, we put out uh, a survey to the community yep. in the in the fall. I filled it out. Good. Uh, no, it was it was an awesome I response. Can't wait for your call. I was like, uh, I don't know if I'm gonna. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm gonna we, get a call on this because I want to be honest. Yeah, you know, but and I don't that's wanna, what we wanted. I don't want to like. I don't want to seem ungrateful either, you know, because I think you guys are doing a great job. Otherwise, I wouldn't keep supporting it and I wouldn't keep showing up and, and doing what what I like to do and 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 better the trails, you yeah. know. And I think you guys are doing an awesome job. It's a it's a tough job, and I think it's easy to sit back and and look at it and say. Like you said, they should be doing this. Yeah. Why aren't they doing that? You know, and it's not as cut and dry as as we would like to think. But yeah. um, you're uh, about the survey that that survey show. You know, it'll. I I plan on. Um, I don't know when this podcast is coming out, but um, hopefully this week. <laughs> I plan on sending out the results of that survey for everyone to read and cool. see. And I'm gonna probably do that tomorrow or Friday. And it was Sweet. really good information. You know, we had 300 people complete it, which I think is awesome. It's a good number, and, yeah. it, and it sets that that basis. And it's a good way to learn. You you hear everything. You hear we want beginner trails. We want yep. family friendly. We want natural tech XC style trails. We so want all these kinds of. I want more of an intermediate <laughs> trail. You know, it's it's always across the board. Yeah. There's definitely um, consistent messages and desires and needs that came out of it, which is what we were looking for. Like. What is the community priority? What does the community want? And that's what we got out of a lot of it, which was really good to see. And I'm going to put that out there. And we take that to our land managers to say, look, this is what our community wants. So this is why we're advocating for this trail or this project or yeah. whatever it may be. And we're here honest to serve our community, our trail users. Then that's who we are. Yeah. We love it, too. We wouldn't be doing this if we didn't have a passion for it, just like everyone else does. So we want to make sure that we bring those things. And, um, you know, beginner trails is one that we saw in there a lot. Yeah. And, it, you know, I think that there's a lot of like that intermediate, advanced intermediate trails, you know, and part of it is because we have the terrain that we have, like you got to climb to get to anything. Yep. Right. So, um, but then, yeah, that, that, that element of like true beginner, I want to learn how to do this in a safe, but controlled way. 
but then also like where's that like super rudy technical stuff that you know we all love and and we <laughs> heard we that all. that was that was the number one thing in the survey as yeah. far was as it? what type of trail do you want yeah that was yeah clear cool and i think we we already knew that really yeah. but it was good to hear it from the community yeah and so it's it's definitely on the priority list sure it's just really hard to um figure out exactly where that can go and when and you know it's that type of trail is something that we wouldn't build, you know, as well. That's that's not within our skill set. Hmm. We're trying to get to that point, VVMTA and our trail crews and everything, to to get to be able to have that experience and and that professional level of trail building. But that's not in our wheelhouse right now, and we don't try to do that either. That's not what we want to try to do, and that's why for some projects we hire a professional contractor, and they are expensive, and they <laughs> do good work, but... You imagine it's it. it's about seven dollars a linear foot. Wow! For regular trail, yeah. then you throw in cost per turn, then you throw in cost for feature. So a mile of new trail is about thirty five thousand dollars, and that's just regular Straight plain plain trail. vanilla trail. Yeah. Um, and so you add in some features and technical stuff. Sure. High price. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I think it's um. I don't know. It's just really interesting to me to kind of see behind the the curtains a little bit and, and see what how this. I knew I knew it was a lot of moving pieces, a lot of moving parts. It's not as easy as just saying, "This is what we want. Let's do it." You know, you don't get get like uh, free reign to go do what you want to do just because you're a an organization that says this is what we do. So, you know, I feel like um, having that survey is going to be really helpful. Like publishing it on on the website, having it available, and then you know, like we were just talking about having that information for people to find, like just the education part of it. Like this is, this is the grand scheme. This is what we're hoping will happen, you know? And if we can get there, of course things change, but I think having that published too, of like, Hey, here's, here's what we're hoping. Like having that connectivity of network, like pockets of network. And like, is there a way to connect all these networks and trails and, and get from one to the other, one end of the Valley to the other on single track, you know, and I think right. that would be super cool. And, um, but there's a, you know, as they're even seen with the paved path that goes through the valley, that's tricky, you know, and that's pretty straightforward. So, um, you know, when you're talking about single track going through all this property, it's, it's another, a whole nother thing. But yeah, we, we always have a lot of ideas. We have drawn a lot of lines on a map. The, the issues with lines on a map is that it also gets a lot of people, um, frustrated and, and against them. And, you know, you probably remember was it 2016 when we were looking at uh, new trail bills in uh, single or um, Wild Ridge? Yeah, yeah. And there was a lot. There was I don't know five or six new trails in that proposal, and there was one line on that map that ruined the rest of the five. Oh wow! And it's it's a challenging thing. So until until you kind of have buy-in from the community, from the land managers as to where where the possibilities are for those lines. It's a strategic approach to not have those lines all over the place because it's only going to cause a lot of knocking of heads. Mm -hmm. And and it's better to bring people together, the community, the neighborhoods where those trails are, who's going to use them, who's going to impact the land managers that are making the actual decision on whether that trail is approved or not. To have everyone on board first to say, yes, we're in support of this is, yeah. is the approach that that we're taking and, and we're seeing that we need to take and will be the most efficient and beneficial way to 
really get things done moving into the future. Yeah. Well, well, um, you're doing, <laughs> you're doing the hard stuff, man. I appreciate <laughs> it. And I know, I don't know how much you hear that, but, um, but yeah, I know, uh, the community that I see on a daily basis really is grateful for, for you guys and, and what you're doing. So, um, and I know you got to kind of run out of here, but, um, how do people find out one, you know, find this information that, that we're talking about, where is that going to be posted? Where can people learn more? It's going to come out in our newsletter here in the next couple of days. So we'll put it out on our social media as well. And also up on our website on vvmta.org. So, um, you can scroll through it, read, look at all the bar, the graphs and the charts and the percentages of who wants what and everything. And it's, it's really good information. Um, yeah. And all the, all the closures are on there on the website. I'm sure you guys are hitting that on social media all the time as well. Closures are on, um, all the information, education, you know, it's almost trail season here. It's going to be here before we know it. Yeah. So we're going to have all kinds of trail nights again, this summer, Wednesday nights, uh, up Valley, um, down in Eagle on Tuesday nights, the first and third month. So wherever you are in the Valley, there's going to be a volunteer trail opportunity. And, you know, the last thing I think I'd say is, whether you come out for volunteer trail nights or whether you donate or not or anything, it, if you're passionate about trails and, and you want new trails, then then you need to come out and have your voice be heard. And that's that's not even really to us. That's to the land managers that have these public processes. Right now, there's a town of Eagle open space and trails master plan draft that is about to go in front of their town council. And there are lines on that map and trail opportunities in that. And the more support that they hear from our trail community that we want this, the more likely it's going to happen. And we, we VVMTA can only ask people to go, please look at this, put in your support, put in your comments. Yeah. And that's only going to help those come to reality. And it's only going to grow and be a snowball effect. The more voices we hear saying, yes, we support this. We want this. The more land managers hear that. And it's the same with the three projects in Vail that were out there. We need a, we need as much support for those as we can get. Those are not decided yet. The Forest Service is still determining whether or not those are going to happen. And, and we don't know. And when we say, please comment on this, we really mean it. It is the biggest thing you can do. More than donating to us, more than coming out and actually even working on the trail. But still do those things. Still do those, <laughs> but get your voice. Yeah. Put your opinion in there. So well, I think it. a lot of people <laughs> think that, well, someone's going to advocate for me. Yeah. You know, like, well, someone else has the same idea. I'm sure they feel the way I feel. Everybody thinks the way I think. Right. So of course, someone's going to already say what I would say, you know, so they don't, they don't feel like they need to, but if, if everybody feels that way, then no one's then speaking no one's up. doing it. Yep. Yeah. And it's, and it's that effect. Uh, you're, it's like your vote. Your vote counts. Totally. Your comment on a public, on a trail project on public lands through a public process really counts. Yeah. And we need more of that. Um, I wish we saw more people coming out and putting in support for those trail projects. Sure. Well, yeah, I think that's, that's great feedback because, um, yeah, it's, it's one thing to be involved. It's nothing to show up and, and make your voice heard. Yeah. For sure. And you can do it from home on a computer. That's cool. the best part about that one. Yeah. You can just type it in and say, I support these trails or I, you know, I put up a blog post about what they mean and what they are and everything. And you can say, yeah. we support VVMTA's comments or something that every, anything helps. Nice. Yeah. Okay. 
So we're going to see you at Bighorn Gravel. You're going to come do your. <laughs> I know you said you don't ride gravel, but uh, we're, have you heard of what we're I've, up to? I've yeah. heard. I'm excited for it. Yeah, I, I, we're super excited. I think it's um, Town of Gypsum's super pumped about it, and um, you know Alpine Banks on board, and um, and they're they're psyched about what it can do for the community, and um, I think the community's ripe for it. I think that they're ready for for this kind of event. So. Um, so yeah, we'd love to have you out there. I mean, you got some amazing gravel terrain back in there, like yeah. miles and miles of endless gravel terrain yeah. in between gypsum and Eagle. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. We had to be, uh, we had to be a little bit conservative with our, our tone it down. Like we had our initial <laughs> plan, like Mike and I were talking and we're like, well, we probably need to be a hundred miles for whatever reason. You know, you have that number in your head Yeah, and we started mapping it out. Like we're going to be like 12,000 feet of climbing, <laughs> you know, people are going to be pissed. And what we don't want is like for people to come do it once and say, that was amazing, super hard. I never need to do it again. You know, like we want people to come and, and enjoy it. And it's still not going to be a walk in the park. I mean, the, the premier event is 85 miles and like over 10 K of climbing. Right. So, but you know, you can knock, it's just a good day on the bike. It's, yeah. it's one day. So, um, but yeah, we're super psyched. So it'd be awesome if you could if you could make it out. I know uh, you got a lot going on. But we'll we'll be there. I'll be yeah, there. I, cool. I'm stoked for it as well. I think it's gonna be awesome for the community of Gypsum and and also you know, not quite getting into Eagle, but using some of the kind of Hearts Gravel West mm-hmm. Eagle area. So yep. yeah. it definitely bleeds over. Yeah, for sure. And just to open, I think even the communities. You know, I mean, of course, people are gonna come in from from out of Valley, but all over. Um, but I think even just local folks. Like there were sections of the trail of the course that I rode. Um, that we were trying to scope out and see if this would work. And I'd never ridden it. You know, I did this one, this one climb that we're going to be, it's going to be in the 85 mile course. And, you know, I had my, uh, Wahoo on and, and we climbed up, we did the ride, it came back down. And of course it just automatically uploads to Strava. There were literally 20 people on that had logged in on Strava. <laughs> I was like, Oh, n- not many people have ridden this. So it's going to be cool to see like, just open people's eyes of like one, one, what these, like you're saying, like the technology, what these bikes are capable of and just exploring more and, and getting back into our trails that are right in our backyard or, or, you know, service roads essentially. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's, it's fun back there. So I appreciate it, man. Thanks for uh, taking the time and uh, yeah, let's, let's do it again. Thanks for having me. Appreciate right. it. Cool. Have a good one. You too.